Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. And friends, before we start, I have a quick announcement because today's episode is actually the last one of this crazy year 2020. Can you imagine? So yeah, we'll be off for two weeks and then I will be back in January with fresh new episodes and fresh guests. Anyway, let's move on to today's show. So yeah, today we will speak to my friend Erica Kohlberg. She runs her own YouTube channel, Erica Kohlberg. Erica has worked for a number of years as a corporate attorney working for a big law firm. She was actually living a pretty glamorous life. Uh, if you think of it, she, it's like in the movies. You know, she was handling high-value contracts, mergers and acquisitions. She was going on fancy dinners and whatnot. She was making good money. But the thing is, she was also working 100-hour weeks. And after some time, she realized this path was not fulfilling anymore to her. This is part of what triggered her to leave her corporate job, to start her own legal startup, and as well to launch her successful personal finance YouTube channel. We will discuss why she did not pursue this dream career you only see in movies, and we will go quite into details on how you can start a YouTube channel and grow it as she did. This episode is for you if you're currently in a safe job, but are looking at getting more fulfillment out of your career, and or if you have been wondering about starting a YouTube channel to talk about your passions and monetize them. So without further ado, Let's hear the interview. Hello, Erika. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? Yes, I'm good. I'm good. It's a bit early for me. It's uh, 6.30 here in uh, Luxembourg, Europe. And, uh, but I think for you, it's a bit later. Where are you based? I'm based in Tokyo, Japan right now. So it's 2.30 p.m. 2.30. Okay, you're a bit more awake than me. But anyway, so uh, glad to have you on. And uh, Erika, I'm excited to have you on because I listened previously to one episode of yours. A podcast episode and I thought okay I need to have Erica on the show because you have quite a story where you left your uh, corporate job as a lawyer and now you're running a full-time YouTube channel and a legal startup so I okay I said it all basically here but uh, yeah I would like to go through your story with you because I think there's quite some interesting aspects to to talk about and that can be helpful to some listeners who want to transition from a corporate job, maybe to uh, their own ventures. And the interesting with you that I appreciate it in your story is that you're still practicing law. So it's not that you, you change your passion to something else. I mean, you're still doing it, but you're doing it on your own. So um, yeah, maybe uh, just can you give us a little introduction of yourself, Erica, before we, we, we move on? Sure. So I'll start off the introduction. I'm Erica Kohlberg. I am the founder of a legal tech startup called Plugin Law. And I also started a YouTube channel last year. And all of this happened last year when I left my law firm to start this company. And at the same time, I wanted to do something that was unrelated to law. So that's how the YouTube channel came about. And so now I wear these two very different hats. One as this YouTube creator talking about personal finance and then another for the plugin law startup. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Excellent. So let's start off with law and uh, your, your previous uh, job. So uh, yeah, Erica, so you were telling you're a lawyer, you studied law and then you were practicing at a firm and then 
you decided to, to change jobs, uh, to quit. So first, I want to ask you, what were you doing exactly? What was your uh, exact function? Sure. So I was a corporate lawyer doing mergers and acquisitions. Okay, good. And then you, how long have you practiced uh, that job? Too many years. <laughs> yeah, too many years. Okay. So, so when you say too many, okay, I hear the following question. So why do you say too many? I mean, is it, what was uh, something that led you to move? Is it, uh, uh, was it the workload? Was it um, something else that the passion was not there anymore? Or is, is it merger and acquisition that niche that you, what were the reasons? Yeah. So I think for a lot of my life, the majority of it, I've always kind of followed this path that I thought was what I was supposed to do. So, mm -hmm. you know, go to the right college and then after college, okay, get into the best law school you can get into. And then after law school, like get into the best law firm you can get into. And I had always just followed that trajectory. And I think a couple of years into the law firm, I started to get concerned that I was really losing sight of my why. Like, why mm -hmm. am I doing this? Why yeah. did I go to law school? And as a corporate lawyer, what you're doing is you're helping Fortune 500 CEOs. You're getting, they can afford to pay you $1,000 an hour. And that's what you're doing. You're helping these <laughs> billion dollar corporations get bigger. And I realized I went to law school to help actual people. And so it, I, it just didn't have that element of satisfaction. I didn't feel like I was really helping people or having an impact with that. And then I think the other element of it was I was getting tired. It was a hundred hour work weeks every single week, no vacations. And so I think burnout is a very real thing. And I was starting to get this burnout feeling and I was kind of tired of someone being able to control every single hour of my day because they paid me a big salary. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see if there was another path where I could actually help people, but I could also still make enough money to sustain my lifestyle. And so that's when I started to explore this idea of, wow, maybe, maybe I do leave this path that, you know, I've followed to T and maybe I try to leave it and see what I can do on my own. And so that's what I tried last year when I left. <laughs> mm -hmm. I see. And, and you talk about this traditional path, you know, go to the best school, uh, et cetera, go to the best firm. Uh, I think at least I can talk for myself and some of the listeners. It's a bit how we are um, educated. Huh? Go to the best school, try to study, do your best at school. Go to the best firm you can get or get a better salary, negotiate, etc. Work your way up. It's kind of traditional. Why, why do you think that is? I mean, it's the same here. I mean, I'm more into finance than law, but why do you think that is? I think it's just a, considered the stable path. I think mm -hmm. most people, especially when you talk about the, the generation above me that's advising me, like my parents, they've never heard of an entrepreneur. They don't know what that is. They know what a stable nine to five job with the government is. So mm -hmm. that's, I think people are seeking that stability and that's why we follow these traditional routes. And I think the, the path of entrepreneurship or whatever you might call it is a bit more non-traditional. It's a bit more terrifying because it's not necessarily guaranteed. I mean, I think when I left, I publicized it on YouTube the first month I made zero dollars. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's not stable. It's far from it. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I understand. And you talk about your parents and my parents. Okay, my dad is a, he's a doctor. So it's not a nine to five exactly. But yeah, he, he was, uh, I think they were concerned as well um, with the, the stability. And it's understandable. Eh? It can uh, depend on everybody's profile. But yeah, it's, I think it's more uh, that generation and doing something on the side with, 
irregular income can scare off. And of course, they want the best for you. Okay, I think we heard the same here, and I think many listeners as well. And then you mentioned, because you said, okay, I was working a lot at the law firm, but then wasn't there another option to work maybe for another company, still practicing law, but maybe there were more comfortable hours? Was that a possibility where you were living or uh, not at all? You were thinking, okay, no, uh, maybe it will be the same situation. So I might just as well look at other options. So out of the box, like you're doing now. Yeah. So I was in what's called big law. So mm -hmm. it's one of the top law firms in the world. And everyone, everyone in the legal space knows what big law is. So usually when you want to leave big law to get a better lifestyle, then the choice is to go in-house and in-house working for a company. And so that was an option for me. But when you go in-house, you have to take a 50% pay cut or so. Mm -hmm. And so I figured like if I was taking, if I was leaving to get a better lifestyle to take a 50% pay cut, I would rather bet on myself that I can try to make an impact and still make a living doing my own legal tech startup than working in-house and again, just working for the man. So mm -hmm. that was kind of a calculation that I, I had to make. And obviously something that is really important to talk about is how finances play into this because I graduated from law school with $200,000 of student loans. When you have student loans and when you have minimum payments that are $3,000 a month, you don't really have flexibility. You can't make decisions, risky decisions like I did. The fact is I had to live pretty frugally to pay off those loans mm -hmm. and then build up an emergency fund. And that is what allowed me the flexibility to make a, a risky choice like this is because if you don't have this emergency fund, then no way you should make a risky choice like this. You, you can't leave, well, as my dad would say, like you can't leave a stable income if you have nothing to fall back on. And so I think that helped me with my decision to feel more confident because I felt mm -hmm. like, okay, with my emergency fund, I have saved up enough so that, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe on my own, I completely fail and it's horrible. Well, the worst case scenario is I have to live off of my savings. And then if things really don't go well for a year or two years, then I just go back to a law firm and ask for a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I like that because it's like, okay, well, I'm fed up or at least I want to, to change, but I built my own security. And in case it doesn't work, you still have a plan C, you know, you have a plan B and then you have a plan C. So it's, it's great. I, I like it uh, because then it's, it's encouraging and it gives you the confidence. I, I really enjoy that. And then you decided to start the, the, the business. But then I, I was wondering just for my curiosity and for the listeners, because when you were working in the big law, as you say, uh, is, it, um, is it that based in the US then that you were still? Because we're calling you to Japan right now. So just want to, to make sure. Uh... Yeah. So I worked for a US law firm mm -hmm. with an office in Tokyo. Ah, okay. So you were always based in, uh, in Japan then. Yep. Since after graduation. Ah, okay. Okay. Good. Okay. So because you said, yeah, if I go to in-house, uh, then it's half the, the salary. I mean, approximately. So just to, to put context. Okay, good. And then I was just wondering as well, when you decided to leave the company, because you're in your early years at the firm or in your career, what did they say? Did they say, oh, you're leaving uh, for, you're quitting the, the corporate world or that was like more a neutral uh, atmosphere. Okay, I leave. Okay, yeah, understandable. You probably go to, to someone else. Or did you say, I quit 
and I will start uh, my own firm. <laughs> I had law firm partners tell me that it would be the biggest mistake of my life mm -hmm. and that if I wanted to, I could pretend that I never actually put in my two weeks notice and we could just go back to normal. So <laughs> it reminds me of what we said a bit earlier. That's so why did they say, no, it's, it's the biggest mistake because they were looking for that stability or that CV without gaps or something? I think so. I think they just couldn't fathom how someone could quit a job like the one that they gave me <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah. and and try to go off and do something. I I think that's just a foreign concept and I, I just don't think they could process that. But I'm glad I didn't listen to that. I'm glad I went out on my own. And yeah. that's what it takes, right? There are going to be always people that don't believe in you and don't think you're going to succeed. And so you have to try to prove them wrong and or just try not to listen to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And maybe they're right. Like, I don't want to, you know, I'm only a year out since I quit. So who knows? Right now, things are going well in my business. But maybe, you know, a year from now, I can be going to ask for a job and being like, sorry, you were right. <laughs> so I don't want to let my ego get to me. <laughs> yeah, but then at least you tried it. And, that, and I think that's um, very valuable. So it's great. And then, you know, for people who are in the same situation, they're like, okay, look, uh, I'm working as a marketing manager or a I don't know what, an engineer or a procurement guy or uh, whatever sales. And they say, look, uh, maybe after a number of years, I want to start on my own. Uh, yeah, maybe there's uh, some uh, value into what you say, because uh, what's stopping you if you have your emergency fund? What's stopping you from leaving, trying it out and maybe come back? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay, very cool. And then you decided then, okay, I'm going to start my legal startup and the YouTube channel will go first to the legal startup. So what is that about? What services are you providing, Erica? So the legal startup, the whole mission behind it is to make legal simple and accessible. Mm -hmm. So I didn't find it fulfilling, like we kind of talked about, to help these corporates who can afford to access these expensive lawyers. So I wanted to make the legal stuff simple in a way that was affordable as well. And I think, unfortunately, the legal industry, we use a lot of fear-based selling. We sell based on like, you're going to get sued, so you better hire me for $1,000 an hour. Mm -hmm. And I think for the people I'm trying to help who are small business owners, entrepreneurs, I wanted to make legal just informational too and tell them, okay, well, this is what you need in place. And here's a solution that I created for you to get it at a tenth of the price that a law firm would charge you for it. So we are not a law firm. We're a legal tech startup. And we make processes like registering your trademark in the US and getting legal documents that you need for your website, like a privacy policy. We make those affordable and simple for entrepreneurs and small business owners. Okay. And, and how's that going for now? You said you were doing, it was going well. Yeah, it's going really well. People are really receptive to it. I think it's your market tells you what it wants, right? And I think the fact that it's going well means that people have been looking for a solution like this, where they have someone like me. For every single product, there's videos of me walking you through how to use it. Like, this is how to fill out your privacy policy template, or this is how you register a trademark. There's videos of me making sure that I'm holding your hand through video and saying, like, mm -hmm. it's okay, don't be scared. And I think people are really receptive to it. So it's a good sign that it was needed. And I'm, I'm happy that we've made so much progress in this year. Yeah, that's fantastic. And are you doing that? You said we, or are you, um, so you hired people as well then? Yeah, I do have a team. Mm -hmm. No, that's excellent. And um, 
I can imagine, you know, the small business owners having a website and, you know, you want to be compliant with the law. You don't want to make any mess, uh, you know, having the right uh, copy, uh, sorry, not uh, copyrights, but I mean, the, the disclaimers here and there. And, uh, and do you help them with sales contract and stuff like this? Or if they sell products or T-shirts online or whatever? Exactly. So we really, we have a way to make it customizable based on your situation. And so if you're selling products or if you're selling courses, whatever it is, we, we can customize them very quickly for you. No, that's very good. And it's, an, it's needed huh? because um, I don't know if there were, if you have a lot of competition, I'm not in that market, but uh, yeah, I can imagine, you know, the small business owners, they want to be protected. So, and, and when you say names like lawyers, doctors, people are always afraid of the cost. Yeah. So you, <laughs> if you can offer a good value, that's excellent. Absolutely. Oh, great. Yes. So our motto is just legal made simple without the expensive lawyer. And okay. it's very funny because I was that expensive lawyer a year ago, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but now I'm trying to be the anti-expensive lawyer. I'm trying to make things really affordable and accessible. So <laughs> yeah. And don't you miss uh, the excitement? I mean, you know, when I think big law, I think like, uh, you know, like suits, you know, don't you miss that excitement, you know, big contracts, you know, merges, merges and acquisition. <laughs> I mean, it's big money yeah, for the, for the corporates, uh, don't you miss that excitement going to court? I don't know, preparing the, the files with millions of dollars at stake. Don't you miss that? Yeah, there is a glamorous aspect yeah. <laughs> to it. I think I was the youngest attorney to lead a billion dollar deal. And there's definitely a glamorous aspect to it. I think we had summer interns. We took them on helicopter rides of the city. It's very glamorous, but you know, there's just, there's more to life than helicopter rides and, <laughs> and fancy dinners. <laughs> No, absolutely. I, I totally, I'm totally with you here. And, you know, if you make those million billion dollar contracts in the end, yeah, it's cool, but it's not your money. So <laughs> <laughs> true, true. So you're doing it for somebody else, even though maybe you get a commission or whatever, but it's exciting. It's good for the CV. Uh, but after a while, even that gets boring. I mean, I, can, I speak here for myself. I work in procurement. It's not billion dollars, but it's millions sometimes. Yeah. And even that, oh, yeah, I see it, one million. Okay, cool. Um, but it depends a bit the context. But after a while, yeah, okay, it's, it's, it becomes normal. It's almost like your salary, but you don't earn that. But, uh, you know, you, you get used to, to uh, whatever you're, you're dealing with. So the excitement does not come from the numbers. Agreed. And, you know, I always... I actually was talking to a friend yesterday who's thinking about leaving her stable job. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I did, one of the tests that I did to see if I wanted to be at the law firm for a long time is look at the people 10 years above you, 10 years senior to you. Mm -hmm. And for me, it would be partners in my law firm. Are they happy? Am I inspired by them? Do I want to be like them? Because if I continue to work these hundred hour weeks for 10 years, that's where I'll be at. Right. And when I look around, to be quite frank, I didn't see any partner that I really aspired to be like. I, I, they all seemed so unhappy. They didn't get to spend time with their kids. Like they were stressed out all the time and, you know, they're making seven figures, but did they, do I aspire to be like them? I, and my answer was no. So if my answer was no, like, what's the point of continuing to put in all of these years of my life at the law firm to get to their place when I'm not really even sure I want to be at their place? So that was a big test for me. No, well, it's a good one. And I talked about it uh, privately with uh, one of the previous guests because we had a situation at work and some, one of those guys that is uh, 10 years older than, than us, he was like, oh, look at me. 
Uh, he's a bit uh, egocentric, but he was said, yeah, look at me, I'm successful. It's true. He has a good position in the company. But then at the moment, I didn't realize. But then afterwards, when I thought about it and I discussed this with my friend, I said, yeah, okay, the guy, okay, he has a good position, has a nice company car, etc. But I should have asked him, are you happy? Because the guy seems always stressed. <laughs> he, he, from uh, seeing him in the office, he doesn't seem very happy. Uh, sometimes he, he might have all the glamour and the prestige, but maybe the, uh, I don't know if he's fulfilled really, but that's, uh, yeah, exactly. So I have that, um, I share the same here and nine to five jobs for me, it's fine. Huh? As long as you're happy and fulfilled, it depends really where you are and which company. Sometimes it's just a matter yeah. of company and, and the atmosphere there. So it's, um, it's a good test. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And then maybe let's move on to the YouTube channel because, um, I think this is quite interesting for me as well. And for some listeners, because I also have some friends who are thinking sometimes to um, to say, hey, yeah, put some video on YouTube and it's everything. Huh? So I play uh, the guitar. So some people put music uh, online. And I have also another friend here in Luxembourg who started a YouTube channel on his own about personal finance. And uh, I've seen your channel and uh, I've seen your interactions and tips in the FinCon group. And it's quite good. It's quite the... Um, I've seen your growth because I think you have about uh, 70,000 followers in under one year or just about a year. So it's quite great. And uh, yeah, I think you, you can share. Some, there are some great uh, tips you can share here. So let's start with the start. So your YouTube channel, I've watched it. So it's about personal finance and you have as well. Yeah, it's, it's about personal finance. So why personal finance in the first place? So personal finance has changed my life, learning about it has enabled me to be in this position I am today where I'm working for myself, building this company. And it all happened because I learned about saving money and paying off debt and negotiating and making money. And a big reason I am here is because I was able to pay off those $200,000 of student loans. And had I not, I would still be working at the job because I, I need to make those minimum minimum payments for my student loans. And so because learning about personal finance, which is something that you're not taught in school, unfortunately, mm -hmm. has had such a huge impact on my life. I just wanted to share my tips and, and my passion for it with other people who might, you know, take away one thing and apply it to their lives and change their lives. And so I was really drawn to this concept of sharing this passion of wow, we need to like save money today so that we can live a really much better life in the future. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that's why I started the channel is to just talk about making money, saving money, investing. <laughs> yeah, no, very cool. And sometimes it's uh, one particular situation in your life that makes you create things or make, or it's a spark that can create another thing. So for example, some, for somebody, it can be, um, yeah, one, uh, I want to talk about personal finance for somebody else. It's like, oh yeah, maybe uh, I should start a, a YouTube channel on uh, gardening tips or beauty tips or whatever. It's everything in there. So, and, and it's, it's those life, if life events that, that spark this, I've noticed that it's a rec recurrent pattern and then, okay. So YouTube, how does one get started with that? Because, uh, you know, uh, if I had the same question when I started the podcast, okay. What gear do I need to use? What services? Do I, what, what do I need to pay attention to, uh, Erica, if I want to start, if the listeners want to start uh, a YouTube channel? I think the biggest thing to realize with YouTube is 
you're not going to see results right away. Probably the first six months, a year, you're going to be so discouraged because no one's viewing your videos and you're working <laughs> so hard on them. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is to remember that you really have to love it. Like when I say that you have to be passionate about the topic, you have to be willing to talk about it for 10 years, even if you didn't get paid a single dime. Like that's how much you have to like it. But then you also have to have this business sense about it. You have to treat it like a business. So the quickest way to fail on YouTube is to treat it like just a hobby and post whenever you feel like it, like, and take four months off and then, and then expect to go somewhere with the channel. So I think if you're going to start on YouTube, you really want to make sure you understand that consistency is important. You want to be showing up for the platform every week if possible and just continuing to create value for your audience. Because YouTube, people talk about the YouTube algorithm, but YouTube algorithm is actually just humans indicating that your video is valuable and they'll watch it, or your video is not valuable and they'll watch you know, 30 seconds and be like, mm, this is a waste of time and click off. Like That's what determines if you do well on YouTube. So pack as much value as you possibly can into each video, put a lot of time and heart and energy into it, and then I think you'll succeed. Mm -hmm. Very good. And you know, for example, you talk about personal finance, but there's a wide range of topics. I mean, every topic is is in there. So, you know, for example, personal finance. Okay, there's already quite a lot of uh, channels out there that explain stocks, that explain basics of personal finance, a bit like you do. Then there's some specialized channels. So how does one find his niche? How, how can you stand out? Because um, it's very difficult. I think standing out is overrated <laughs> okay. because I think, <laughs> I think as long as you're, you're yourself, you're going to stand out because no one is like you. Mm -hmm. I think every single year people always say like, is it, it's too late to start a podcast. It's too late to start YouTube. It's too late to start a blog. It's so saturated already. And that stops a lot of people because they're like, how am I going to stand out? But I just started YouTube a year ago and it was already a very saturated niche, the personal finance niche, but you just find a way to make it work and you are original. So I, I think it should be less of a focus on, you know, if it's too late to join YouTube or, you know, how to find the niche, just find something you like talking about and talk about it. <laughs> okay, very good. And uh, then I have two questions. Um, okay, what about the gear? Because uh, do you need, can you start with just your phone or do you need to spend three hours looking or maybe even 30 hours looking for the best camera, the lightning, the, the lamp? What about the gear? It depends on your budget. I think if you're just starting out and you don't really have a budget, then use what you have. If you have a phone, use your phone. Just if you don't want to pay for lighting, find some natural sunlight and use the sunlight. And you can, there, there are options for every single budget. And I think Probably the most important thing is just making sure you have the proper lighting. So whether it's sunlight or you buy $50 lights off of Amazon and then just a mic because audio is very important too. So just to, I think I started off with a $20 lav mic that you can find on Amazon. So you just get one of those. So your total cost is $20 lav mic plus $0 sunlight plus, plus your, your phone that you already have. So you said, um, okay, I need to post at least once a week. And, and then uh, how do you grow? Because, um, okay, I see you have quite the number of followers, you're consistent, you publish and it's high quality videos, but how do you make that grow? You can bring value, you can make it uh, very excellent, you can put a lot of hours in it, but how do you get people to, to see your, your, your videos? Yeah, so there are a few things you can do. You mm -hmm. can be 
making sure that every single video is planned around keywords. If you do that, then YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. So mm -hmm. people are going to find you through those search terms. So if you're a smaller channel, you want to be using longer keywords, not just investing, but how about investing for beginners 2021, you know? And so you can do keywords, you can do catching on to trendy topics. So this is the reason that my channel was able to grow so quickly is I saw a trendy topic, I made a video on it and I had my first viral video. And then I made a video on a similar topic a week later and then I had my second viral video. So if you catch on to trendy topics, that's also a really good way to grow quickly. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's uh, very good. And then uh, maybe one last question on this topic. Okay, you, you started full-time. Uh, I mean, you left your job and then you started this channel. But what if people say, look, um, I'd like to try it out while I have my job or my current occupation. What do you have to say to those people? I mean, should, you, should they post every week? Should they, uh, how can they um, optimize their time and you know, slowly see, test, test the waters, to, so to speak? Yeah. So my full-time job is plug-in law. So I still work a very much full-time job with that. And so mm -hmm. YouTube is always a night thing for me. So I'm always filming at night and that's why the lights are very important to me. I have a studio <laughs> set up and have the lights because it's, it's just always at night is all I can fit in. And so the thing with YouTube is in order to stay consistent, you want to minimize the barriers. So barriers are things that take up your time. So if you are a busy professional, you want to figure out how you can make things more efficient. If filming is taking a long time, maybe you consider scripting out your what you're going to say in the video or at least making highly detailed bullet points. If editing is taking you a long time, maybe you consider making the edits very minimal or outsourcing that. If planning out the videos is taking you a long time, maybe you use... I don't know, use your personal experience to make videos. So it's much easier for me to make a video about 10 things I stopped buying because I'm just talking about myself mm -hmm. versus a very technical videos like ETFs versus index funds. So you just have to figure out these little ways that you can be more efficient in your process mm -hmm. so that you're able to work full time while maintaining your YouTube channel and maintaining that consistency. And you'll figure those things out as you go. For example, my first video that I filmed, it took me over two hours to film it because I was messing up so many times. I was <laughs> stuttering. Like I was, you know, I messed up just so many times that it took me two hours to film, I think a 10 minute video. But now I'm much better because I have more efficient systems. So it'll take me 10, 15 minutes to film a video. So you'll just get better at those things over time too. So you just have to be patient with yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. No, so it's uh, quite a time investment in the beginning, but then as you go along, well, it can be more efficient and even better quality. So, no, very excellent. That's motivating um, because I, I, I noticed the same with the podcast. I, I did it. I started about one year ago and okay, my first episode, man, it was a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're not getting paid much, you're, if anything, you're making zero dollars or close to that. I think I like to put it into perspective because my first year of YouTube, I was able to make over a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars and people think like, wow, like that's, that's amazing. But what people don't realize is, well, the first six months of YouTube, I put in 400, over 400 hours and made something like $900. So it was like, I was making $2 an hour for the first six <laughs> months. And so people like to glamorize, you know, you see these videos on YouTube, like how much I made it from a million views and stuff. Mm -hmm. People like to glamorize the 
amazing part of the fact that YouTube does pay you as a content creator, but they also don't show you the parts where it's like, okay, I just worked 400 hours and made $2 an hour. So mm -hmm. it's important to realize that you're not going to see instant results on YouTube. And I think it's, I like saying that to people so that they don't have these high expectations. Cause if you set these high expectations, you're going to get discouraged too easily and quit before you can see success. Yeah. Yeah. You need to, to be in there for the long run. And, uh, and if you're passionate, of course, it will be easier to put those 400 hours and uh, be paid uh, $2 an hour. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, and now how, how are you, what income stream do you get from the, the YouTube? I mean, how are you monetizing your channel? So YouTube, I have primarily three main income streams. Now I've just added a fourth one. So one is ad revenue. And with YouTube, you can apply for their YouTube partner program once you've hit a minimum of 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 hours of watch time. Mm -hmm. And once that happens, YouTube will run, let you run ads on your videos and then they'll take 45% and give you 55% of what the advertiser has paid. Mm -hmm. And then second income stream from YouTube is affiliate marketing. So if I have a product or service that I really like, I mention it maybe in the end of my video or in the description of my video and say, Hey, just click on the link. And with an affiliate link, when someone clicks on that link, I might get a small commission, a small kickback. Yeah. And then the third one is sponsored videos. And with sponsored videos, a product or a company with a product or service that hopefully you like, um, <laughs> will ask you to promote it in your video for 30 seconds to two minutes, and they'll pay you a set amount for mentioning them in that video. And so those are the three main ones I have. And then fourth, now I've just added this as part of my passive income experiment, because I'm trying to show people that it's possible to go from $0 to $200,000 of passive income in a year. And so I've added a fourth one of digital products. So I've created a course. Okay. Wow. Well, uh, that's, uh, you have quite a busy life, huh? So, uh, <laughs> creating the course, the YouTube, plus your, your the plug-in law. Uh, so it's uh, it's great. It's fantastic. Well, okay. Yeah, so, well, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, excellent, excellent. Uh, and and then in the end, um, it looks like you're you're on your way to grow even further. So congratulations, uh, Erica. Really, um, it's impressive, but it's great as well. Then you can show to your ex colleagues, hey, I made the right choice. So uh, have fun uh, being stressed <laughs> with your 100 hours a week. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so it, it, it's about choices and passion, because if you were not passionate about it, then it's not about the money. It's, uh, it's really about doing what you, what you like and uh, living on your own terms, I guess. Yeah, agreed. Mm. Okay, very good. Well, Erica, thanks for sharing your story on the podcast. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think we had some great insights and uh, as well sharing some uh, YouTube tips for people who uh, would like to start and want to grow. Maybe they're starting and uh, want to grow. And uh, yeah, as you know, before we uh, close, we always have our three quick fire questions. So are you ready for that? Ready. Okay, perfect. So Erica, we didn't really talk about that, but uh, what has been your best investment so far? Any dollar amount? Any dollar amount, yeah. I just splurged on a treadmill to put under my desk. So I have a standing desk and use a treadmill and walk while I work. Oh yeah. You saw it on Instagram, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how's that working? Oh, I love it. I'm so frugal that I spent a month like deciding if I really wanted to buy it. I think it was around $500. So for mm -hmm. sure my biggest purchase of the year. And I decided I was ready to do it after a month. And it's just been a game changer because I think I was getting really... 
how do you say it? Like <laughs> was probably only getting like 20 steps a day. So now it's helped me to get a bit more in shape. Okay. And can you, can you really work properly? I mean, you know, I'm a dude, huh? so uh, I can only do one thing at a time. So how, how, <laughs> how does that work for you? Is it, you, yeah, you, you so just work the same? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's actually working. So I can do things like watching my videos to make sure they're okay or doing the review of that. I can take meetings while I'm on the treadmill. So it's actually been a great purchase. Uh, are you on the treadmill right now? No, only for <laughs> podcasts. I, I, I did a special favor for you. I'm off of it. Otherwise, you kind of hear the hear the engine oh, yeah. roaring. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, good. Um, what has been the second question? What is the best book you can recommend to anyone? And it does not need to be a, necessarily a financial book. I think the four-hour work week is mm -hmm. something that I try to read once a year. It's really helped me to think about how to be most efficient in your business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think there's a, one chapter I sometimes uh, think about is there is a passage where he says, think about what you need to do, let's say in one day or in one week. I don't remember. It's been a few years, but what if you needed to do it in two hours? What would you cut out? And I think that's uh, one thing uh, that I'm just thinking about right now when you say this. Uh, and then you realize, okay, maybe I don't need to do this. And uh, I, I think I took this approach for the podcast and I think you can... Uh, you probably apply it every time <laughs> for the YouTube, but it, you realize, okay, maybe this is not necessary. Maybe the second cut, maybe the second outsource, and maybe it's not from one week to two hours, but it's a, you reduce it significantly if you think about it. Exactly. And that allows you to scale too, because the problem is if you're just a one man show, like it's very difficult to scale because you only have so many hours in your day. But once you start to get comfortable with outsourcing mm -hmm. and building a team, that's when you can really scale in your business. So I think that book was really helpful for me. Okay. Very good. And, um, third question, um, what is, um, the best purchase you've made for under a hundred dollars, obviously not the treadmill. Yeah. I purchased a whiteboard Mm -hmm. That has helped me to just write down and visualize my plans for the week. And that has been really good for me because oh. I, I've never been able to find an online organizational tool that I've liked as much as pen and paper. Mm -hmm. And the whiteboard is a nice little compromise where I can, you know, write on it, erase it. <laughs> I just like it. It's It's been a good purchase. Okay, excellent. Uh, I never heard of this one. Um, and yeah, it makes sense. Absolutely. I can tell you that if you want to hear the details, so it's actually two whiteboards. I use one mega whiteboard for my weekly plan. So what I'm going to accomplish that week. Mm -hmm. And then I use one much smaller whiteboard to every single morning. I go to the big whiteboard and take out a few tasks and put those on the smaller whiteboard and then concentrate on the smaller whiteboard. So it's actually two whiteboards, but it's been, it's been a game changer for my organization. Okay. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Okay. Very good. And Erica, well, we, um, we talked a bit about your YouTube channel. So how can people find you? And uh, maybe you can share your uh, socials as well. Yeah, you can find me on Erica Kohlberg. That's Erica Kohlberg on YouTube, ericakohlberg.com. And then the legal company is Plug and Law. Okay. And you're on Instagram, you're on uh, Twitter as well, etc. I th yeah, but it's not that interesting. So oh, okay. <laughs> better to go to my YouTube. <laughs> okay, okay, go go to YouTube, and then uh, if you want, you can go to Instagram. I will link it anyway in the show notes. So Erica, thanks once again, and uh, congratulations again on your new ventures, the YouTube and the Plug and Low, and uh, yeah, speak to you soon. Speak soon. Thanks so much. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. Yeah, I really appreciated this conversation. 
and Erica really made excellent points throughout the conversation. So yeah, let's hear them and the key takeaways for today. Number one, it's easy to follow the traditional path when it comes to your career, but do not lose sight of your why. Explore it again and change gears. This will lead you to a more fulfilling career path. The glamorous aspects of a corporate job sure might be cool for a while, but yeah, to use Erica's words, uh, there is more to life than uh, helicopter rides. <laughs> Number two, does your why lead you to start a business? Well, be aware that it comes with less stability than a regular job. Make sure you have a solid emergency fund in place. In case things go south with your business, you will always have some money to fall back on. And worst case, it's not the end of the world. You can always go back to apply for a corporate job. And another thing that might come is that if you tell your co-workers, yeah, I'm going to start a new business, I'm going to quit the job. Well, there will always be people who do not believe in you. They will tell you things like, oh, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. Why are you leaving a stable job, etc., etc." Well, be prepared for it, but at least give it a shot. You never know. Number three. Here are Erica's excellent tips on how to start a successful YouTube channel. You have to love your subject, you have to be willing to talk about it for 10 years, even without money coming in. If you're looking at monetizing your channel, treat it like a business and be prepared to accept the humble salary of $2 an hour at first. Next, don't expect massive results or thousands of viewers in the first months. Your niche may be saturated on YouTube, but standing out is overrated. Erica advises to be yourself. It's not too late to start your channel. Everyone is original and that includes you. Regarding the gear, don't overthink it. You can already start with your phone and maybe a cheap $20 microphone, for example. To get more viewers on your channel, use long keywords and catch on to trendy topics. And who knows, your video might go viral before you know it. And a last important tip on YouTube, especially for busy professionals who do that on the side, well, make things more efficient in your process to maintain consistency. Try to refine your process as you go along. And to close the show, I will end up with my favorite key takeaway of today. If you're currently in a corporate job, look at the people in your company who are 10 years older than you and ask yourself, are they happy? Do they inspire me? Do I really want to work hard to be like them in 10 years? If yes, congratulations, you're in a great place. If not, well, maybe this Christmas break is uh, the exact thing you needed to think things through and who knows what 2021 might bring you. So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at Johnny Talks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening, and I'll speak to you next time.